This is a Nerd and Tie podcast. Welcome to Bullshit Free Witchcraft, your monthly podcast guide to the modern witchcraft movement. I'm your host, Trey Dorn, and we made it to September. It's September 2019 when I'm recording this and when this episode's going to come out. I mean, it might be some other time for you because, frankly, a lot of people listen to this show way later than when it comes out, and that's because that's how linear time and podcasts work, so... Happy whatever current month it is for you. I hope it's a good one. Um, for me, at least, we just celebrated Mabon and uh, Samhain's coming up. And for those of you who celebrate Mabon, I hope you had a happy and good Mabon. For those of you who celebrate Samhain, I hope you have a interesting, at least, Samhain, a good Samhain. And for those of you who don't, I hope these are good random days on the calendar. I mean, obviously, Samhain coincides with Halloween, and most of my listeners are in the United States, so something's going on. But, uh, yeah. The reason why I bring up holidays is an attempt to awkwardly transition into this episode's topic. And that is, I'm a Wiccan, and so for me, my, my practice is religious, and Wicca is a neo-pagan religion besides being a form of witchcraft. And because Wicca is one of the largest forms of witchcraft, and is definitely, at least in the United States, the most written about form of witchcraft, a lot of things about Wicca get conflated into witchcraft in general. And one of them is that a lot of people have said that Wicca is a form of witchcraft and then they'll also say that witchcraft is a form of neo-paganism or paganism. Now that's not exactly right, remotely. But these are two different umbrella terms, the modern witchcraft movement and, and paganism. But people like to line them up hierarchically. Hierarchically. I'm going to leave that outtake in this episode and it's going to be okay. I can say words, I promise. And 20 years ago, when I was just a wee baby witch, baby witch, that's the term the kids are using these days. God, I'm old. Anyways, when I was a young witch, I would have probably given you that definition. I would have probably lined those up in steps for you myself. And arguably, back then, maybe it was mostly true. Maybe that was a statement that lined up with where the culture was at the time, but that's not where we are now. I'd say within the last 10 years, there's been a generational shift. And while neo-paganism is still tightly wound into the modern witchcraft movement, there's been a divergence enough that with people who fall into that outside as I make a useless hand gesture here in the studio, that people who fall into the periphery, uh, there's now enough of them where I think there's a cultural influence. And and maybe it's just the way that I define what the neo-pagan movement is. And, and maybe people will disagree with me on that, but I see them as it's distinct things, distinct reasons why people do stuff. 
It's like when I was coming up with the concept for this podcast, I distinct, I specifically did not call it a neo-pagan podcast. Like it was a, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was an unconscious decision to call it a modern witchcraft podcast, even though I fall under the the umbrella of neo-paganism myself. Because I think that at least part of me distinctly saw the difference. So, and it's funny because back when I was doing the uh, the first episode where I was going through terms, I went off my script to talk about how paganism and witchcraft are different things, and it was it was off the top of my head because I hadn't even thought about it until I got to that moment. So let's think about things and get to that moment again. And to do that. Let's start by actually talking about what neo-paganism actually is. Because it's hard to discuss something if you don't understand it. And while I'm sure that many of my listeners, I'm sure that many of you know, I'm, I'm betting there's dollars to donuts. There are people who don't, who have tuned into this. So let's, let's, let's talk about paganism, or neo-paganism, I should say. So neo-paganism um, just means new paganism, and that's why you'll hear me refer to it as both uh, paganism or neo-paganism, just depending on what I feel like at any given time. But obviously, what I'm referring to in this episode is the neo-pagan movement, the new pa- pagan movement, um, and not obviously actual old historical pagan religions. Let's be really clear. Most neo-pagan religions are reconstructions. So, if I say paganism, I'm, I'm referring to the neo-pagan movement within this episode. I'm not talking about something else. I'm just being lazy and not saying the prefix neo in front of things. The neo-pagan movement really got its start in the 18th and 19th century with the, the Romantics and a lot of revival of Western folklore. But what we really call the movement now that got its big start in the 20th century. And it's heavily tied into the New Age movement. Just just wrapped up tight in there. That's, there's a reason why I saw a lot of witchcraft stuff in the Pyramid Collection catalogs. If you don't know what that means, catalogs are a thing that sometimes comes in the mail and you throw out immediately. And... I've covered the history of Wicca, which is one of the biggest neo-pagan religions, at least in the United States, um, in a past episode. And if you want to go into the full history of that, just I, I covered that. Um, I think it's a pretty good episode. You can go back. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it's on the site. And if you want to go into a full detailed description of a lot of the history... There's this great book, uh, I've recommended it before, Drawing Down the Moon by Margaret Adler. And uh, she was a a Wiccan who wrote a detailed history of the modern neo-pagan movement, which is also the history of the modern witchcraft movement, because for a long time these were the same thing. Let's not kid ourselves. And she comes at things obviously from her own point of view but it's probably the best history you'll find in a single book. I mean, I argue that everyone should read everything skeptically, but I still stand by that book. 
but the Wicca, as it came up through the 60s and 70s, and a lot of other pagan religions, like you have the Asatru, um, I'm probably saying that wrong, I always say that wrong, um, heathenism, uh, neo-Druidism, um, all these came up, he became much bigger in the 60s and 70s alongside the countercultural movements. It's frankly why you see a lot of these religions are still focused on environmentalism. They're inspired by nature. And if you what whatever stereotype you have in your head of what witches were like in the 60s and 70s, that's that's pretty much. Yeah, that's not wrong. <laughs> I've met these people. But all of these continued out of these decades. And Wicca and witchcraft, as more and more books were published, and as things started to reach outside of New Age circles and started to move out of, you know, the quote-unquote hippies, new generations found this. And where the older groups focused a lot on collective group experiences, the witchcraft we saw and the paganism we saw go into the 90s was much more individualistic. It was much more focused on solitary worship, about personal experiences. And I think that's where we start seeing the, the seeds of this dividing line, is because even though solitary Wiccans are still pagans, they're still neo-pagans, we move away from kind of these authoritarian group experiences that we saw in organized neo-paganism of the 60s. To call it organized seems ludicrous, but if all of your witchcraft is based in covens and circles that are group experiences, you're going to have a different witchcraft experience than a solitary practitioner. It's just... Yeah. And I think this is where we see the seeds of the split. Because as much as group activity is great and finding support and community is amazing, um, there are bad actors in the pagan movement. There are abusive people who used neo-paganism and witchcraft to empower themselves to take advantage of people, to abuse people, be it physically, be it emotionally. And a lot of this comes up through the larger pagan groups. Because just like every other group and every other religion in the world, there are going to be vulnerable people looking there. And whenever there are vulnerable people, there will always be predators looking to prey on those vulnerable people. So, and this is really a problem with a lot of, not, not all groups, obviously, but there are groups and community members who have abused positions of power within neo-paganism. And I think that that's where a lot of people move to 
left these groups and then I moved to individual practices. And then also there's a whole generation of people because now there are all these books designed for individual practice. And as witchcraft entered the pop culture consciousness beyond these kind of wooey ideas, I mean, I guess we're all woo, but a certain aesthetic started to form that was different than the old aesthetic. And that's where I think we really start to see the splinter into the difference between paganism and the witchcraft movement. Because as we moved into individual practice, as we moved away from doing everything together, as we moved into individualism and eclecticism and seeking out our own path, a lot of people, and I think this is really true in the last decade, have come into witchcraft without a focus on Wicca. Because when everything was neo-paganism and everything was religious-based, um, Wicca being so huge and such a big factor really kind of still kept drawing people in to, to the rest of paganism. But as you look at it, as more individuality, as, as individual practices, as solitary practitioners became the dominant force in the 90s and even more continuing to do so in the 2000s, some people left Wicca and continued their witchcraft individually. Some people come in with resources. There are resources and books for people who want to do witchcraft that aren't Wicca anymore. Like, that's just not something you could say 20 years ago. And as these new witches develop and find community in places like social media, uh, connecting on Discord and, 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 and Tumblr, there's a much more individualized nuance that's, that's independent of the old pagan groups. People connect have always come to witchcraft, be it decades ago or now, because they want to feel a connect. They want to want to do magic stuff. We want to do frickin' magic stuff, and it's neat. I mean, that's that's the short answer. But also, like, there's a sense of mystery. There's a sense of play. There's this sense of beyond that comes with it, and it's something that's hard to put into words what a lot of us get out of it. And when I was coming up, the only way to achieve that, the only way to find that was like all the books I could read, all the definitions, they were all, you know, Wicca and they were all very religious. And I found a home there that I feel incredibly comfortable with. Like I became a Wiccan because it aligned with beliefs I already had, but there are people who are going to come to witchcraft who want that mystery, that experience, that connection, who don't necessarily want all the baggage that a neo-pagan religion comes with. And that's where we find the modern witchcraft movement separate from... It's where we find it separate from paganism. And it's funny because I think it was just this natural split that was inevitable. 
that there are always going to be people who fall into both camps. And if you really want to find community and you're a young witch, there are some great places in the greater pagan community. It's, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, you would have just missed most pagan pride days, but pagan pride day, um, usually most places do theirs in September. And, uh, it's a good place to find other people. It's a good, also a good place to find a bunch of wackadoos. But as a wackadoo myself, I think it's mostly okay. I mean, like any group gathering, you've got to look out for creeps and jerks. And uh, depending on your local pagan community, how accepted and those people are in the community and how allowed in the community they are really depends on where you are and who's running the events. So... I don't have a good solution there. I've kind of wandered off track here, haven't I? Just about like three miles to the south of the trailhead, just completely in the woods. Let's reel this back in, why don't we? Like a high school essay, we'll break it down in a conclusion here in simple terms and hope that the body paragraphs of our essay made some sort of sense in relation to it. <laughs> so, what it comes down to is that neo-paganism is... It's religious. It's a religious experience. It's, uh, that's, that's a religious component. If you practice a form of religious witchcraft, you're probably doing a neo-pagan... You know, I take that back. Christian witches exist. Jewish witches exist. Oofta. But most forms of religious witchcraft are going to fall under neo-paganism because neo-paganism is about that religious-spiritual connection, right? The modern witchcraft movement is about doing cool shit with magic. I mean, it's the modern witch witchcraft is about the magic and the witchcraft and... Paganism is about the religious experience. For some people, these are these are all in the same thing. When we slap them together, have a happy day. For some people, they're not. I'm sure if you told a secular witch that they were a neo-pagan, they'd slap you right across the face, and you'd deserve it. So, I know it's kind of meandering and a bizarre way to explain this, but that's what I've got. And, uh... It's, it's really hard to describe nebulous things. Like, just defining witchcraft often gets super complicated because there's so many things that fall under that umbrella. But I really do feel like the, the modern witchcraft movement and the modern paganism aren't exactly the same thing anymore. I'd, I'd still say that two-thirds to three-quarters of the people in one fall into the other. You know, like, the Venn diagram still has a pretty large overlap. But it's not as large as it used to be. I think that's a good thing. Probably? I don't know. Makes sense to me. Anyways, thanks for 
entertaining me a little bit um, as I went on this long meander. I want to thank the listener who sent in the question. This is uh, an interesting thing to talk about. I at least had fun. Hopefully it was semi-informational. If you want like a more detailed history again on Wicca, go back to uh, an episode I did a little while ago on the history of Wicca. It was uh, it's one of the earlier episodes of the show. Um, and uh, yeah. Join me next month for our annual Spooky Samhain episode. I've got a guest lined up that I think you will all enjoy. And uh, remember, you can follow the show on social media by um, following me at T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N on Twitter. Uh, it's facebook.com slash bsfreewitchcraft on Facebook. I'm on Tumblr at T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N.tumblr.com. Also, you can support the show by supporting my Patreon at patreon.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. BS Free Witchcraft is a part of the Nerd and Tie Network. Uh, remember, you can find lots of fun podcasts at nerdandtie.com, including the Nerd and Tie Podcast, which is a monthly podcast of geek and convention issues. The latest episode discusses the bizarre disaster that is the Vic Mignogna lawsuit. And if you don't know about that, oh my God, that's a ride. It's hilarious in a kind of depressing way. But you should totally check it out. And and you can find that at nerdandtie.com along with all the other podcasts on the network. And I want to thank you guys for joining me yet again. And I hope you have a wonderful month. And remember, next episode is going to be a long one. None of this 20-minute stuff. We're going all out. Crazy town. Banana pants. I've been Trey Dorn. Thank y'all for joining me, my fellow chickens. And uh, let's head on out into that weird world that uh, is the thing that we are right now doing. <laughs>